Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good news, good news, good news, amen? Good morning, good morning. Good morning, Balcony. I see you up there. Good morning to those worshiping online. My name is Dennis, Pastor Dennis. What a joy it is to worship our Lord Jesus with each of you and all the families here today. Welcome, welcome. We've rolled out the red carpet for Jesus in our praise and worship. So now we invite him to come and speak through his word and his spirit to all of us. Come Holy Spirit and descend upon this place that our hearts may be open, our ears receptive to you. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in the ancient church, there was a greeting dating at least back to the fourth century where one would de declare, Christ is risen, and the crowd would respond, he is risen indeed. So let's try that. Are you ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That's pretty good, but that's about a six on a scale of one to 10, and you're not six, you're 16. So last service did a little better than that. So let's hear it down so the Baptists and Presbyterians and Lutherans and all of Dayton can hear us up here at Gingensburg. Are we ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Good news, good news. Good news. And we share that good news not only here in Miami County, but we share it in Montgomery County and we share it to the world that Christ is risen. I'm so grateful for God's call upon my life as I've been able to share over the past 30 years that good news of resurrection power for me and for all of you. And not only here in the States, but as a missionary in other countries, one place that I've had the opportunity to share the gospel and the good news is in the country of Vietnam. Over the past decade, I've traveled to Vietnam seven times and preached in 40 of the 58 providences from the Chinese border all the way down to south. In 2011, I was going back and I invited a pastor from Piqua who pastored at one time in, at Lockington in Shelby County, if you know that little village, Lockington United Methodist Church, Jim Wheeler, to go with me. We were going to go into the jungles riding motorcycles, and I knew that Jim rode a Harley at 75 years old, and so I said, come on, Jim, let's go, and we're going to do this. He said, I'm with you, and so we were there, and there's a picture of him. We're standing in Hanoi at Ho Chi Minh Plaza there, and Jim now is with the Lord. He passed away uh, later that year. But we were invited with our American delegation to go and visit the most sacred place for many Vietnamese today. And us being guests to the country, we were simply ambassadors to Jesus. We said, certainly we would like to do that. And they invited us to go to this place that's in the picture, which is the Muslim of the communist leader Ho Chi Minh. Like Lenin's tomb, Ho Chi Minh is lying there in a glass casket, um, his lifeless body embalmed, is lit up 
with dim lights, and every day, thousands of people, especially Vietnamese children, go and visit his site and observe his lifeless body. And so they invited us to go and do this. And it was just a surreal experience. I mean, I was like saying, is this really happening? Every American who lived in the 1960s and 70s, if they watched the news, knew of Ho Chi Minh. And so we went up into that chamber. All these honor guards are there. We weren't allowed to speak. And I found myself just for a moment in the line, and Jim was beside me, standing just feet away from his lifeless body, where all of the country was focused. And when we walked out of there, because just for a minute, really, we could be there, we walked down and out and onto that plaza, and right after that, they took that picture there. I'm thinking, wow, uh, as a student of history, I mean, that was an experience. What do you say after that? And Pastor Jim, he leans over to me with a little sparkle in his eye. I'll never forget it. And he said, but you know, Dennis, the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem is empty today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Drop the mic. Amen. Think about that. We're here today to declare to the world that on that third day, the stone got rolled away and an angel said, Mary, go and tell. The Son of God is risen. Hallelujah. My Jesus, I don't know about yours, but my Jesus is alive and well today. How do you know, Pastor? I just talked to him this morning. He said he was feeling fine. He said he'd always loved me. He'd never leave me or forsake me. As a little boy growing up in church, we'd sing that old gospel song. He lives, he lives. Remember this? Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. You ask me how I know he lives. Listen, I don't have to ask you. I don't have to ask anyone today. I know that he lives, for he lives within my heart. Good news, good news, good news of the gospel. And the, and the word gospel literally means good news. Well, we've been in this series for the past now seven weeks entitled Jesus Is. And we're going to bring down the curtain today. So we've been looking at the different characteristics and aspects of the Lord Jesus. We started way back in February, and you can go back. Those messages are on demand on our website and YouTube. You can go back and look at those. But we looked at Jesus is carpenter, Jesus is teacher, Jesus is prophet, Jesus is value restorer. Last week, Jesus is savior. And we wrapped things up on Easter with Jesus is life. So if you have your Bibles today, I want to invite you to your Bibles or Bible apps to John chapter 11. The Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The word gospel means good news. This is the good news according to John. We find the reoccurring theme of life. John presents Jesus as the source of life, the essence of life, the very giver of life. And that's why Jesus came. Yes, to save us from sins, no doubt. But even more importantly, to give us life. Jesus said... I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. And this theme, this reoccurring theme of life comes to a climax in the 11th chapter in the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Jesus has his eyes turned towards Jerusalem 
and he enters into the village on the east side of the Mount of Olives, Bethany. Lazarus had been dead. His body was decaying. Later in the text, it says he had been dead for four days. So the body's breaking down. They didn't have the embalming that we have today. And Martha, the sister of Lazarus, in seeing Jesus, came to him and said, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He said, your brother will rise again. She said, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day, as if to say, I have my faith. I know what it says, but that doesn't take away my pain. Jesus looked at her and he says our key verse to today, it's verse 25 and 26. He says, oh, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he turned the question on her. Do you believe this? I think Jesus would turn the question on each of us. Well, what do you believe? What's what's your deal? Do you believe this? She said, oh, yes, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the one to come. Then Jesus walks over to the tomb. He says, roll away the stone. He cries there. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11, Jesus wept. That was one of the first verses as a kid I ever learned because I could remember that one. Jesus wept, just like that baby, but Jesus wept, right? So thanks for the illustration today. That's good. We love love kids in this church, don't we? Amen. And so, uh, yeah, I heard an amen over there. So Jesus, he cried too. And what that also says is he knows pain when we're going through pain, because Jesus wept. Then Jesus said, roll away the stone. Now, Martha, she's concerned. She says, well, he's been in there for four days. This is going to stink. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. I wonder what that really sounded like. I'd love to hear that. An amazing thing is he did, grave clothes and all. (laughs) Jesus gave Lazarus a new life. Now, I said this was good news not just ancient stories, good news for us today, that Jesus today enters into our cemeteries, into our deadness, and he offers us life. We're here today. Our heart may be beating, but we may died a long time ago. We died in the death of a dream. We died in the death of divorce. We died in the death of a loved one. We died in the death of a career or a hope, ambition. A little bit of us died when someone else died. The good news of this story and our story is that death is not God's final word. One of our own shares that today. Laura found that to be true. Check out her story. Howard and I met on a blind date. He was a very quiet, quiet, quiet guy. He had just recently rededicated his life to Christ, so you could tell they had this little fire burning. About a year after we had started, you know, just hanging out together and being friends, he finally told me he loved me and I loved him too. And then we got married a year after that. As a couple, we were each other's God's reminders. I'd have these panic attacks and That's when he would remind me, you know, you're not going to be given anything that you can't handle. 
um, and just in different situations, things I knew in here and in my heart, just he was the one who said, hey, don't you remember, this is God's promise. Um, on Mother's Day weekend, uh, May 2021, my mom woke up uh, to go look outside because she had heard Howard go out and let the dogs out. And then she heard it raining and she wondered, why hadn't Howard come back in? And she saw him lying face down on the ground. The ER doctor said it doesn't look good. Later on on the second day, we did find out that because of his lack of oxygen during the time, the edges of his brain had, had died. The doctor that was on duty at the ICU at that point in time said, you have two options at this point. Um, you can um, keep him on the ventilator, but I don't think he will wake up. And so now I, I needed to, you know, basically talk to God and Howard. And it was just a lot of, let me keep him. Please, please, please let me keep him. Let me keep him. Let me keep him. I think God and Howie were waiting on me to say, to say goodbye. And because he went peaceful, I felt peaceful about the decision that I made. And that was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. <laughs> but I knew I made the right one. It was really awful walking in here for the first time without him being here. I didn't know how to be Laura without Howard. And that was kind of kind of disturbing to me. Like, I, I don't know who I am without, you know, if I'm not Howard's wife. I was tired of grieving. I was tired of, like, feeling awful all the time. And I was tired of, of being sad. After one Sunday, John had texted me and said, would you be interested in hosting online worship? And I just wanted to get out of myself. I just wanted to just not have to think about my grief, think about somebody else. Oh, that felt so good. <laughs> it felt so good. And service by service, and online, online conversations by online conversations, I felt like grief is just not my whole life anymore. Even though a part of me, a part of my life is no longer, there is something new that is waking up inside of me that is giving me new life. And I am living a new life through Christ, not the way I ever thought I would, <laughs> but I'm in a new chapter of my life. Let's give some praise to God for Laura. She's online right now as our director, so thank you, Laura, for your testimony today. Death is not God's final word. Check this out. Presbyterian Pastor Frederick Beeker once said of Jesus, just as the birth was not the beginning of him, so his death was not the end of him. Now, listen to this line. The resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. 
The worst thing of your life is never the last thing. No matter the guilt, no matter the shame, no matter the sin that can be placed under the foot of the cross and all things become new. Let's be honest. Some of us live in the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Some of us live in the must I live with it forever. But that's the good news of this day. The worst thing is not the last thing. I remember as a younger pastor, I've been a pastor for 32 years now. Lord help us. <laughs> I remember about 20 years ago, uh, one of my prisoners came to me. I was about 30, 32 years old at the time. And, and uh, he was in his 80s. He was a well-known uh, uh, hero of Miami Valley. He was a veteran of the Second World War. Again, this was 20 years ago, so he's now in heaven but he came to me and he said, very loved person, came to me and said, Pastor, I want to speak to you privately sometime. Can we talk? And I said, sure. What do you want to do? Let's meet alone in your office. So I said, well, how about Tuesday? Tuesday, no one's really around the office. We can meet in the afternoon. It'll be quiet there. And I just remember the date. It was February 23rd, February 23rd. And so we met and he was uh, a soldier in the Second World War that was on the European front. And so he said, I've just had this ache, just this burden, this memory that I've been living with all my life, the last 60 years, and I'm wondering now, must I take it to the grave? I don't know what to do with it, Pastor. He began to share his story that he had a moment in warfare where he came face to face with a young German soldier about his age in his early 20s, and he said, Pastor, it was either me or him, and I killed him. And he said, now listen, I want you to not misunderstand this story. He said, I understand that I was fighting for my country that I love. I understand that I was an agent of the state, acting as an agent of the state in that moment. I get all that. I've read theological books. I understand it all. But pastor, I can't get it out of my mind. This young person probably had hopes and dreams too, had a family they never went back to, and it's just this haunting memory. Can I ever be at peace with this? Must I live with it forever? And I said, Joseph, and at that age, I didn't say a lot of wise things, but God gave me just the right words, I think. There's mercy for the memories. And I just so happened to have in my desk a crucifix, meaning Christ on the cross. Now, I'm a Protestant. I know that Christ is off that cross, but, but I had this crucifix. And so I pulled it out and I, I put, it, put it on the table in front of us. And I said, Joseph, for the next few minutes, I just want us to contemplate the cross, to focus on Jesus on that cross. It was on that cross. That Jesus took on not only the sin of the world, but he, he took on all of your sin. He took on all of your pain, all your disappointments, all your failures. He took on all of your guilt. On that cross, as he hung between heaven and hell, he took all of it on. So why don't we, Joseph, today, all these memories that you've lived with, that's haunted you for 60 years, why don't we put it all on him? Well, we cried a little bit. We said the Lord's Prayer. And then he went home. 
you know, we never much talked about that meeting the rest of his life. Never shared that story during those years. Every once in a while, though, when we were alone, we'd see each other, say, like in a hallway when you pass people out here, or we, especially in a communion line, would just be the pastor giving intention, and he would come. Just once in a while, he would look up to me with a little smile of freedom, and he would say two words, February 23rd, <laughs> because that was his Independence Day. And what I'm saying to Joseph, I'm saying to you, whatever the guilt, whatever the shame or the pain, or the hurt that nobody knows or the sin, we can place it on the cross there. When we're buried in baptism, we go down as Christ went into that tomb. He, he arose. And even in baptism today, when we come up out of that water, we celebrate the fact that the old life is dead. The new life has begun. I know that some of you gave up on God a long time ago because it didn't work for you. You've been through the drills. You, you found it perhaps as meaningless or irrelevant for today. You found it as a bunch of do's and don'ts and, uh, or politics here, or politics there, or a, a bunch of religious hoops to jump through. But today on Easter, what I want to invite you to do is think about Jesus a little bit differently. What's so life-giving about biblical Christianity? Well, listen, that at the root of it all is not a self-improvement plan. Amen? At the root of it all, it's not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. At the root of it all is a God who says, I want to do life with you. I want to know your story and I want you to know mine. I want to bring you to myself. I've provided a way for you that we could be in perfect relationship. And I want you to join with me as I redeem the world because it says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But I want you to take my hand and I want you to walk with me in the kingdom. That's biblical Christianity. And the good news is that all of history, even all the bad, it's leading to a better day. Remember the theme. The worst day is not the last day. The Apostle Paul realized this when he talked about Jesus coming again. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16. And the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Now for century, biblical scholars and theologians and just normal people like me have been wondering what will be that loud command? I mean, nobody really knows. Will it be words or what will it be? So people have tried to guess and my guess is as good as yours. So I'd like to think the loud command will be two words and here they are. No more. Now stay with me here. I made a list and you can add to it or subtract it. But in that great day, no more cancer, no more Parkinson's disease, no more diabetes, no more rejection, loneliness, no more depression, no more wheelchairs or pacemakers, no more radiation or chemotherapy, no more suicide bombers or school shootings, no more war. No more anxiety medicine, middle-of-the-night phone calls from state troopers. No more crosses alongside the roadway. No more child abuse or child neglect or coughs or colds or flu shots or COVID vaccines. No more racism. No more love handles or saddlebags or double chins or cash diets. Can I get an amen? All right. 
No more shaving or waxing or no more yelling or fighting, no more addiction. Students, here's one, no more social media drama or bullying or gossip. No more homework or ACTs or SATs. No more stubbed toes, no more embarrassing moments, no more autism. No more taxes, uh, elections, no more politics, no more divorce papers or pink slips, no more foreclosures or bankruptcies, no more courtrooms, no more motionless ultrasounds, no more tiny caskets, no more waiting rooms, no more funeral homes, no more nursing homes, no more crying, no more pain, and no more death. Can I get a witness? No more, because your worst day is not your last day. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. And he proved it by coming out of the tomb. Thanks be to God. So I wanna wrap things up here because we got work to do. The best is yet to come as we celebrate. Several individuals will celebrate their faith in Christ. All of us have a story that brought us here today. We've come from different places, different events. Some of us are going to lunch. Some of us are hungry right now. Some of us are worshiping online from the area, but also around the country, literally. But what draws us together is Jesus. And what I'm trying to say to each of us is what God did for Joseph, the veteran in Christ, what God did for Laura and for me and for Lazarus and giving new life after death, God wants to give it to you. There are those here today under the sound of my voice and teaching that you've never really accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior and friend. You've never knelt the foot of the old rugged cross and asked God to forgive you of your sins and be born anew. But Easter Sunday can be the greatest day of your life, amen? When you come and kneel before him, in baptism, we celebrate this. Listen to the scripture in Romans chapter six, verse four. It says, we are lowered into the water. It is like the barrel of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Today is the day. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the gift of Easter. It's good news. The death is not your final word. There's more to the story for each of us. You don't give up on us, whether it be just in the last couple years or 60 years, Lord. You have a blessing for us. Today we celebrate new life and new faith, and we give our hearts to you fully. We pray for those who will come, and we rejoice with the angels today as we rejoice in this place as we celebrate new life in Christ. That is our heart and prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.